Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Wicked Beauty by Katie Robert. This was just published in 2022 and is the third book in the Dark Olympus series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary advanced reader copy. And we have reviewed the first two books in this series. Uh, this is the modern retelling of the Olympus gods if it was in like a present day city. Kinda. It's kinda. The, look, the world building is not the point. Let's be completely honest here. <laughs> I'm just trying to like spark people's memories. Yes, yes, yes. The first one was Neon Gods, which was a Hades and Persephone retelling. And the second one was Psyche Eros. Electric Idol, yes. Psyche Eros. So the world building continues to be not the point. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Shall I read this book jacket, Lane? Yeah, I left in a part we never usually include, like the, the blurb from the reviewer of the paper, but I laughed at it, so I left it. All right. She was the face that launched a thousand ships, the fierce beauty at the heart of Olympus, and she was never ours to claim. A scorchingly hot modern retelling of Helen of Troy, Achilles, and Patroclus that's as sinful as it is sweet. The pause there, because that was the part from, like, the paper's blurb or whatever. Helen was never at the heart of Olympus. No, but she isn't this... Look, it is, it is weird that they, like, combined the face that launched a thousand ships with the heart of Olympus. Yes. I get it, but I'm going to be honest. I do love the she was never ours to claim. There are no ships in this book. There are no ships. Are there ships? No, there are no, no ships. There are absolutely no ships. <laughs> in Olympus, you either have the power to rule or you are ruled. Achilles Callus may have been born with nothing. But as a child, he vowed he would claw his way into the poisonous city's inner circle. Now that a coveted role has opened to anyone with the strength to claim it, he and his partner, Patroclus Photos, plan to compete and double their odds of winning. Neither expect infamous beauty Helen Casios to be part of the prize or for the complicated fire that burns the moment she looks their way. Zeus may have decided Helen is his to give away, but she has her own plans. She enters into the competition as a middle finger to the meddling 13 rulers, effectively vying for her own hand in marriage. Unfortunately, there are those who would rather see her dead than leave the city. The only people she can trust are the ones she can't keep her hands off, Achilles and Patroclus. But can she really believe they have her best interests at heart when every stolen kiss is a battlefield? Oh my this is god. It's a trash jacket. It's a trash jacket and I fucking love it. Every stolen kiss is a battlefield. Yes, please. Okay, so as we've discussed in the previous two books, the 13 are like the ruling council of elders or what the fuck ever. And each different position has different rules of inheritance. Yes. When Ares is up for grabs, it yes. is a three-stage competition, which anyone 
can enter. And Helen, Achilles, and Patroclus are all competitors in this competition. Yes. That is not in the jacket. Yeah, not, not uh, clearly, no. <laughs> that is the whole fucking book. Okay, here's, here's this thing that I can't, this tough about the world building. And again, I, I can't be that angry about it because as we both have said, that world building is not, like the, the reason you read this book is not for coherent world building. No. Or mythology, let's be no. honest. It, okay, so they're competing to become Aries. The 13, they're, they're titles. So there's Zeus, Ares. Um, Hera, Aphrodite, Demeter, Demeter, Dionysus. Yeah. And the thing is, like, some of them, I get that it's a title, but it also seems to be their name, like Hades. It's his name, right? Right. But now there's the new Zeus, but his name, he's Perseus. But they keep calling him Perseus. But I'm like, wait, but is he uh, it, it's Zeus? Uh, anyway, that was really rough for me. <laughs> okay, so here's where I feel like years of historical romance prepared me for this. <laughs> yes. Because I'm just going to, so like Evan Suffcliffe or whatever the fuck dude's name was in the book we reviewed earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. Was the Earl of Dunkirk. And some people call him Dunkirk. And some people call him Evan. And it just switches around willy-nilly, and I'm just used to that. Yeah, I'm fine with that, with, like, historical romance. It's just a little harder when they're supposed to be gods and goddesses. And Perseus was, like, it's his own figure in, an, in his own myth. Well, and, well, that and the fact that there have been other Zeuses in the book. Right, yeah. Like, it's in historical romance when honorary titles are being bandied about often. Like, you don't know the previous title holder within the universe. So it's not... Like, the fact that that person has several names, it's not like you associate anyone else with any of them. Yeah. But anyway, it's not... It was inconsistent as shit. Yeah. It's not... Again. I'm just... It's like a little pet peeve, but do I actually care? No. Oh, I stopped caring last book. Yeah. Um, You know what? We started talking about the book, but we didn't even do our random number summaries yet. (gasps) So for this, I know. For this episode, we generated a number of 32. So I'll go ahead and read my 32-word summary. Ready for this, Lane? No. Well, get ready. Helen, Achilles, and Patroclus are competing against each other in an American gladiator-style tournament. They're also real hot for each other, so rooming in the same dorm sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. The dorms were hilarious. God, I loved it. Oh my I cannot God. tell you. I cannot tell you how much. There were several pages put into describing the, the layout of this dormitory, and I don't still don't get it. All right. So my 32-word summary. Having Aries appointed via battle royale is a terrifying commentary on political appointees. Mixed-up mythology and more shitty siblings are very on-brand for this series, but a cinnamon roll is hot. Uh-huh. It is. I, I was obsessed with Achilles. He was such a Rupert. I can't even. <laughs> he was, except Rupert would never do what Achilles did. There's one thing that Achilles did that I was not into. I was very into it, but I was also not into it. Yes, you're right. That is not in character. Okay, 
We're talking in the context of a polyamorous, multisexual society mm -hmm. in the present day. Like, no, Rupert would never, but he's a very Rupert-type character. Oh, he is a Rupert-type character. He is. He's a doofus. He's the meathead doofus with a, with a heart of gold. Cinnamon roll who's hot. What did I just say? Loved him. <laughs> if you're wondering what Meg and I were into in terms of the threesome... <laughs> It was the, the idiot. We were like, yeah, the other two were geniuses, whatever, hot guy, let's do this. I, I, look, I liked Patrick's too. I liked having the choice, Blaine. I did. We pick Rupert every time. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like Achilles too, but he, 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 Rupert was more emotionally intelligent than Achilles. This whole situation was so emotionally fucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll get there. Oh. Trope. We'll get there. I, I said enemies to lovers. I don't know if that actually describes it. It's tough. No, uh, actually, I just describe it as like competitors fucking. Opponents to lovers? Yeah, like it's not enemies, but it's... I, we've seen this a couple of times where like business women are competing against the guy she's going to end up with or like negotiating partners on yeah. opposite sides. Like she wants the house for her orphanage and he wants it for his canning company or whatever. Like, I think that is absolutely a trope. Like they think they are opponents, but really they can work together. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, it's hard to be tropey because like the Olympic myths themselves are extremely tropey, yes. but these yes. series are not they're in not. the historical genre wheelhouse. No, 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 no. They're not. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, childhood friends to lovers <laughs> the problem with there being three people in this whole situation uh, right it's, there are not different ton, dynamics right right there we'd have to look into like the triad tropes and i i don't think there are that many so like achilles and patroclus are like high school sweethearts mm -hmm. patroclus and helen are childhood friends reunited yes and Helen and Achilles are like the competitors to lovers. Yes. Situation. Yeah, yeah. What else have we got here? She's a vapid girl with inner strength. We have I, so many cases of that historical romance. Like the girl everybody thinks is just like the crown jewel of society actually is a lesbian who wants to read. She's not a lesbian, but you know what I mean. I liked it. I, I like this trope. I like this trope. I liked Helen. Me too. <laughs> big dumb jock with good intentions we've already talked about this uh because i can't stop talking about it because it's all i ever want to talk about we're gonna talk about it more i'm sure so that's fine um and achilles is a sad tragic orphan like raised in an orphanage and the whole reason he wants political power by becoming aries is sort of to like it, it's a lot of personal ambition and like climbing the ranks and climbing out of the gutter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it is a little bit like the same families have been in the 13 for fucking ever. Mm -hmm. And they want a little bit of a shakeup. Yeah. And then, I mean, this was in my summary. There's forced proximity. Okay. Yeah. The competitors are forced to compete against each other, train with each other, live with each other, eat with each other. It's only for six days. But still. I don't care. That's forced proximity. 
It is. There's also a couple of things that, like, I'm not sure if they're tropes in, like, the modern romance sense. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a scene where Patroclus is helping Helen stretch. Mm-hmm. And that feels like something that would be tropey if we read books about an era where women were allowed to wear pants. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Or- there's also a lot of, like jealousy but that gets into the polyamory stuff that we're gonna have to talk about okay let's talk about this book then let's get into it let's talk about this book i'm just gonna get right out there in front of everyone and say that i like enjoyed the hell out of this book i really enjoyed it yeah i there's a lot that i didn't get on a very fundamental level mm-hmm. um but ultimately i it was like the kind of enraging that I actually had so much fun with that I'm not yes. even mad about it. it. Yes. Yes. There were things that I was pissed off about when I read it and I still had fun reading them and being pissed off about. Yes, exactly. And, but I'm not, I'm not hate reading it. I want to be very no. clear about what I'm saying. Like, yes. I'm not saying I didn't like it and I got enjoyment from how bad it was. It's not bad. No. It's just that it's so not my thing, but somehow it was absolutely my thing. Yeah. So I will also be clear, I do kind of enjoy reading about triads or thruples or whatever you want to say it. I think this is my first thruple book. Yeah. Uh, there, I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure because I'm trying to get away from that phrasing, but they are one of my go-tos when I don't want to read like a super serious, <laughs> a super serious historical romance. <laughs> if I really want to read something, then like I don't care at all about like historical accuracy or anything. I'll be like, yeah, I want to read a good triad, two like two dukes and a lady or whatever. You know? They're like maximum escapist for you. Yes, 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 escapism to the max. Um, so they're they're one of my favorite. You know, I've got an hour to kill. I'll read two dukes are better than one actual title in my library i respect it all right so the main setup here as we sort of talked about is the triwizard tournament from harry potter <laughs> and i was reeling when i realized that and meg made a point that it could be hunger games but very explicitly all the competitors don't have to die and it's in fact extremely rare for them to die i feel like this is aligning exactly with the triwizard tournament which also had three stages and which competitors had to say, like, look, I'm willing to die, but the expectation was not death. Yeah, see, I, I read all the Harry Potter books once and only once, and I, that was it. I'm done with it. Like, I don't know what house I am. I don't care. No, this is not coming. It's just, like, there's a lot of Battle Royale, Hunger yeah. Games, Triwizard Tournament, and Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, no, I'm sure that I, was on a comprehensive list. I'm saying of the really popular children competing against each other or young adults competing against each other thing, I think the Triwizard Tournament with its three stages and its lack of definitive fatalities is the closest approximation. That, that sounds good to me. I did not remember any of those things that you pointed out, which is probably why I didn't identify it as the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> I thought of Hunger Games because, mostly because of their outfits. Yes. Because they... So, and it's all televised. So this is like televised. Yeah. All of Olympus is watching it. As a part of their strategy, they come up with different outfits to wear, both to be popular 
for everyone watching, but also to be strategic in the ring or the maze or the arena. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it was definitely mixed. It's, it's a lot of, it's a trope in and of itself. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I think it's important to note that like the three of them didn't go in knowing only one could survive. Only one could be Ares, but the others weren't going to be dead. One thing I want to talk about, like this is about a polyamorous triad. Yes. So Patroclus and Achilles have been in a non-exclusive. A, a committed non-exclusive relationship. Right, between the two of them for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And then Helen um, was friends with Patroclus as a child, but then he moved away when they were eight, and they haven't seen each other since. I don't know how old everyone is right now. I don't frankly care. Um, I think in their like, late 20s-ish, based mid, on the whole... Mid to late 20s, yeah. Yeah. Um, based on hotness. I was going to say based on the timeline of Achilles and Patroclus hooking up in military school. That's fine. <laughs> But yeah, based on hotness. Um, and I actually, look, I know very little about polyamory. Um, what I have gained has mostly been through My Name is Jessamine on the internet. And I, it doesn't hold any personal appeal for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think that someone in a polyamorous relationship would read this and think it was a really healthy depiction from what I could gather. Um, Patroclus does not seem like he was cool being in an open relationship before they met Helen. Like, he talks a lot about, like, how this is what Achilles wanted, and Achilles goes out a lot, and he loves Achilles, and he's, like, fine with what they are, but, like, it just yeah. seems like this was... Well, I, I think he would have been fine either way, with it being open or with a relationship being closed. I got the sense he would have preferred closed. Oh. Not I. Um, and then the way they operate once they meet Helen is a lot of jealousy and toxicity. Yes. It's, it's very toxic. I agree. Because, um, so what happens and this? Yes. And there are going to be spoilers for this book. I'm sorry, but you know, read it and then listen to us because this book is fucking wild. Yeah. I'm, I don't think we can do this spoiler free. No. So sorry. <laughs> okay. So what happens is. Um, Patroclus sees Helen and they have this like spark like they already know each other and then they're sexually attracted to each other she totally comes on to him and then he goes home and he tells Achilles and Achilles is immediately jealous and is like don't you do anything with Helen I don't like like don't do it and Patroclus is like okay fine like you're my priority no big deal like she's hot and I probably would have liked to get it on with her but if you're not cool with it that's fine with me and it's to be clear, like Achilles doesn't witness the initial interaction between Patroclus and Helen. Yes, a lot of his jealousy is prompted by what he can tell our Patroclus's real feelings, because apparently Patroclus has never had real feelings for anyone but Achilles, as far as Achilles can tell. Um, but some of it is also prompted by the fact that like she will be oh, she's the prize for whoever becomes Ares. She becomes their bride. Yeah. And she's also entered the competition to become Ares herself. So it's 50% like you personally clearly have baggage here that we want to navigate together as a couple, but 50%, like, this situation with her is already real fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. I will say, once Helen gets introduced, 
I got the vibe that rather than being like an open polyamorous relationship where they were like the main couple, Patroclus and Achilles, that they became like an exclusive ruffle. That's the vibe that I got. However, it was never made explicit. And as you say, I think one of the biggest tenets of polyamory is that you communicate all of this stuff with your partners. They were not very good at communicating outside of the bedroom. And this is where, like, look, consent was explicit. I have no complaints about that in this book. I just want to make very clear that as a non-expert, I did not read this and think, oh, some people in polyamorous relationships can do this really healthfully. I'm sure that's true. But this book did not depict that on any level. No, it didn't. And, like, on the one hand, you know, like, I'm sure it would have been better for them to have been, like, a, a great example of a polyamorous relationship. On the other hand, we're reading about the gods and goddesses in a, a American gladiator triwizard tournament Hunger Games thing where they're fighting each other. So maybe I don't care. I don't know. I think what where it crosses the line is where they try to make it seem like people are like lodging through it and working on it in an emotionally healthy way. Yeah. I think this li- this towed the line. I agree. Um, I also just, and the one other thing with sexuality in this book that I want to point out in particular is Megan and I talked about the fact that in earlier books, it sort of felt like a got to get every type of sexuality and gender identity and various other things that play into attraction, race, gender, body type, whatever, crammed into the book in sort of a very, okay, got to get credit for putting it in here kind of way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the first two books in the series. Yes. And Mm -hmm. in this book. Aphrodite is made the future bride of anyone who wins Aries. It's like, look, it's one you mean, thing. You mean f- Helen? Helen. Yes. Sorry. Helen is made the future bride uh, as like a prize for whoever becomes Aries. And like, it's one thing to live in a society that like doesn't freak out if someone isn't heteronormative or whatever, but it's another to be like, we're still going to view the world where women are property and sexual attraction doesn't matter like if a straight woman wins she still has to marry aphrodite yeah i mean she she still has to marry helen yeah i i i thought it was an interesting take on it and i for me it worked because helen as the bride helen is valuable not just because of her um, sexual attraction because of her appearance, but because of her status in society. She's Zeus's sister. She's, she's a society girl. <clears throat> she's a society girl. She would be the, the official hostess of Aries, basically. So for that. me, that's why it worked. But I think what didn't work for me is you live in a society so egalitarian that sexual preference is not a thing, that women can become Aries, that there seems to be very little within the society that is gendered. But the only people we've seen used as pawns in marriage games are largely women. That I mean, that is a good point. So it's like the society is really egalitarian and open-minded in these specific ways. But then you still only have women being treated as property, which only really makes sense in a heteronormative society. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I also see that these are erotic romances written for women in the 21st century, right? Fair. 
which is, I think, part of the reason why it is written the way it is. So. Just something that really stuck out to me. No, absolutely. So the myth is barely there. Like, there is no such myth of Achilles, Patroclus, and Helen getting it on. It just doesn't well, exist. Like, there's no Trojan War. No. Nope. And I'll even go one step further. Theseus and the Minotaur appear in this book. They do. Not in any context you would recognize as Theseus nope. and the Minotaur. They're allies? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are, aren't they? <laughs> but that said, it actually kind of worked a little more for me here because it wasn't a one-to-one allegory or retelling. It was a, these characters are inspired by these characters And because of some of the issues we had with the previous books, right, about how the myth either was or wasn't engaged with here, I, I, for me, it worked better because I didn't have to try to fit the pieces in together where I thought they should be. And instead I was like, okay, Helen, she's a prize. She's beautiful. Patroclus and Achilles, they're warriors and companions. Yeah, it works for me. I think I'm working on getting over the disappointment of what it could be. Mm-hmm. But I think I so badly actually do want to read a modern erotic retelling of Olympus. Yeah. That the fact that this is very much asterisk inspired by Olympus, mm-hmm. not a retelling of Olympus. Like, wait, a, are you saying this is the Bridgerton version of the Duke and I? No. This is the Bridgerton version of the Viscount Who Loved Me. This is the Bridgerton version of uh, the Great Myths. It's even less related. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, yeah, so I'm working. I think, honestly, it's not that it's gotten better or that I'm more okay with how loosely they're interpreting the myths. It's that with each successive book, I stop expecting it to be a retelling. More and yeah. more. I, I think for me, it helped that it was so much further away, to be honest. That's, I mean, I think this one was less jarring than two. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. The first one was much of a, it was a much more closely one to one. related to the myth. And so where it, where it deviated, that's when you were like, wait, what? Right. And then the second book was, there was a, it just didn't fit together. And then this book, it's totally separate things. So, Like literally with the exception of a couple of touch points. Which was, for me, fine. Right. Like Achilles does get hit in the ankle with an arrow at one point. Right. Of course he does. Like, does it kill him? Because that would not be a fatal wound. But. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Which is also fair right it's fine and i don't want achilles to die well or patrickless (laughs) (laughs) anyone to die i also like spoiler alert because again we just said we can't talk about this without basically the end conclusion is regardless of which one of them becomes aries they need to be a three-headed monster Mm -hmm. where helen is the political savvy Mm-hmm. Achilles is the general. Right. 
warrior and patroclus is the uh the strategy Strategy. Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think of what the word would be there but whatever the strategist strategist thank you that's that's (laughs) that's the ending i wanted um I just want to remind everyone that the triumvirate in Rome was a terrible idea, and three people doing one job has led to a lot of death yeah, often they, in history. They were not in love and sleeping with each other, so. They were just sleeping with each other's sisters. Yeah. <laughs> so different. Real different. Real, Real different. different. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I just like, I don't have a specific image of an actor or an actress who has played Persephone. Okay. Or Hades. And like Hades, honestly, the most like prevalent imagery in my brain is the blue Disney yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. And that's like not in my head. Like I'm not thinking of that when I read this book. And Eros and Persephone, like the second Eros isn't like Cupid, isn't like a baby in a diaper with a bone arrow. Like we're so far from yeah. whatever. Like, you ready to Achilles? I'm thinking Brad Pitt. Yeah. Patroclus, I am thinking Garrett Hedlund. Okay. Um, Hector, obvious, and Paris, Eric Banner, Orlando Bloom. Um, Theseus, I'm thinking Henry Cavill. Like, a lot of these characters. Oh, there's one other from a different movie that I was like, no, I associate this actor with this. So I will say there was a little bit more of, like, struggling for me to see these characters as they were depicted in the book than there usually is. Oh, interesting. That did not happen to me. Probably because... Because at one point they describe Achilles as a golden god, and then they say he has dark hair, and I'm like, no, he's Brad Pitt and Troy. You're wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. Um, Also, one time, Achilles observes about his two sexual paramours that there's nothing sexier than competence. That's a direct quote from the book. I just want to say, correct. Achilles is correct. Yep. He's right. That's just like a true statement I want acknowledged. It's true. It's just true. So. Um, I have a full rant here. One, okay. there's a scene where Achilles thinks about how sexy it was to watch and hear Helen putting on a skin tight bodysuit. Mm-hmm. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. As any woman who has ever put on an extremely tight form-fitting full-body garment will know, it can be sexy as fuck once it's on. But the <sighs> process of getting it on, not sexy. <laughs> I mean, just putting jeans on after your shower is tough, right? Exactly. Like, that's what I, like, the process of putting on tight garments that need to go over more than one part of your anatomy is so profoundly unsexy. <laughs> and I feel like every woman listening to this is, like, correct. <laughs> I just need to put that out there. Second, all three of them are competing to be Aries, as we've discussed. Kind and they of, all f- yes. Think a lot about they're all in the competition to be Aries. They're all in the competition to be Aries. Patroclus, however, has no interest in becoming Aries. Does not want to be Aries. He's in the competition basically to support Achilles. Yes. So, like, if it comes down to the two of them, he's going to sacrifice himself for Achilles. He, he's just going to tap out. Well, that too, but, like, he's in there so that he can take a fall for him. Exactly. So, but all three of them ruminate a lot on their reasons for participating. Mm -hmm. And it's really treated in the book, like, Helen has this really noble ideal 
for being Achilles. I mean, for being Aries, and she mm-hmm. doesn't. It's literally just that, like, all of her siblings now have positions of power, and she feels like she's a pawn in her family's game, so she wants power so she can protect herself. She wants to get out of that. She wants to be Aries um, because she thinks she would be good at it. But she thinks she'd I be think a good she, member of the thirteen. Do do I? Does she think that? Does she have like ideals for what she's going to do with the position? No, not really. And does she have a particular reason she's picked Aries as opposed to any of the other positions she could hypothetically be eligible for? Other than the fact that it's probably the only one that will become open in her lifetime? No. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, there's nothing particular about her that makes her suited to Aries. Right. Other than its availability. And I feel like there's a there's a scene where Achilles is contemplating his own reasons for perp- like competing to be Aries. And I feel like his reasons were more noble. Like, he came up as a soldier. He felt like the enclave of elite families needed a shakeup. That a common voice should be respected and then try... Like, he has... In some ways, if he won the competition, it would be merit over blood, even though it's not a merit promotion. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was just really interesting that the, the book's conclusion really is like Helen earned it and was the right person for the job. And I was like, I actually thought Helen was kind of shitty. I did not think Helen was shitty. I liked Helen. I liked Helen a lot. And I thought it was really interesting I thought the conclusion of the book was very interesting because she was being discounted because of her femininity. I think it's interesting because we just read it very differently. Mm -hmm. I read it as like the biggest like thing that should be considered in whether or not someone is into politics or is elected or appointed into politics is experience in politics. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and this is me projecting a little bit, but, like, fucking sick of that. Yeah. Like, I'd way rather have people with real-world experience who become politicians and can bring that poli- that experience into the political dialogue. hmm Where I feel like Helen's victory, you're totally right if you read it as a feminist thing, which I didn't because so many members of the 13 are women. hmm But I think you're probably right. Like, it becomes a totally, she's discounted in positions of strength as a woman. You're right. It becomes a totally different commentary. Well, and she's, I fight, read it as like, she's fighting for herself as I, I don't want to be a prize. I'm not a prize. I'm more than that. I'm a competent person. Right. But she's also not qualified to be in politics by my reading, except by virtue of navigating politics. Yeah. But then this is the 13, right? This is like a fake world where, you know. It is. But I think that's where, like, I actually thought the political commentary here, as put in my 32-word summary, like, missed the mark big time. Sure. Um, That said, I love this book. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I have nothing but, like, fuck. This, like, made me think about a lot of things not positively to say, except I also really enjoyed it. Um, I also loved Paris. I hate him, but I love, to, I love to hate him. Okay. So I really liked how Paris was written. Um, he and Helen have a previous relationship. So they were together and he was 
Uh, he was abusive. He was not physically abusive, but he was um, emotionally abusive. Uh, he diminished her and he made her feel inadequate, basically. And he does veer into physical control and abuse into the text of this book. Yes, he does. But he did some very typical things that abusers do. He tried to separate her from her family and her friends. Um, he made her dependent on him. Um, things like that. And she left him. So she was able to leave that relationship. But nobody from outside of the relationship understands exactly how bad it was because Paris is a total gaslighter and presents himself as this amazing guy. And I really liked their relationship as portrayed in this book, her getting out of that relationship, but still having some emotional scars. And then of course, how Achilles and Patroclus totally support her once they figure out what's going on. Yep. Loved it. I loved it so much. There you go. I know this is not the point. But if you read this, like Achilles and Patroclus are one dude. <laughs> and Helen's one girl. <laughs> Very compatible relationship <laughs> that's, that's not the point <laughs> I think I know I understand what I'm saying I'm gonna have to make you read two dukes and a lady okay <laughs> okay okay content warnings I just talked about her past abusive relationship with Paris so content warning for that it's as we said the polyam it is very bad um the Patrick's Achilles relationship prior to the introduction of Helen, as we discussed, is issue-filled. And when Helen gets introduced, a lot of fucked-up shit happens. Uh-huh. I'm going to talk about it in sexiness, but be aware that it is also a content warning. Yep. There's a lot of violence uh, and, like, medical trauma shit. Yeah, they're in, like, three extremely intense physical competitions within a six-day period. The shit is beaten out of them stabbed arrows whatever poison i think yeah yeah you know all the greek you know greek myth ways of killing people um one of the things i didn't think was handled particularly well is helen admits she has sex as a coping mechanism to hurt herself mm. that she historically processed trauma in very self-destructive ways and that through therapy, she has lessened her need to cope with trauma in self-destructive ways. But to the degree that it's still something she does, she does it through sex. Mm -hmm. And she's extremely transparent about that in this book. And this book is very good at talking about the fact that she has this recognized trauma is not meant to reduce her agency. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like, like polyamory the way that's all processed in this text doesn't quite work. It feels reductive in some ways. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I have certain issues myself with the way sex is used as the solution for a lot of things. Yes. Basically, sex is used 
in lieu of communication between the partners, right? It's like, oh, the way we fuck is really great. So that means we've, we've now solved all our issues, right? And the way that the three of them interact and complement each other in this triad mm-hmm. is really depicted through sex. Yes. Which, from a level of like, please get therapy, bad. But from transition into sexiness, yep. It was real hot. It's very sexy. So, like, I just said that there were issues with it, but you know what? This is an erotic romance. So, I respect that she did work out a lot of the relationship problems through sex. What can I say? You know, like this, this, speaking of the point of the book, that's the point of the book. Yeah, it was. It was a lot to process. Mm-hmm. But very hot. Mm-hmm. So the first time. So the first time she has sex with Achilles, it is a literal hate fuck. Which was extremely sexy but also I was real pissed at Achilles it I was real pissed at him what can I say I don't know I was annoyed at him so Patroclus and Helen are clearly falling for each other yep that was a really interesting choice to have Achilles and Helen hook up first uh-huh especially because Achilles has told Patroclus that he does not want them hooking up and then he goes and like, okay, no, he never said, I'm not going to do it. And Patrickus never said, okay, well, then I forbid you to also hook up with her. But it's kind of implied, and Patrickus feels like shit afterwards. Well, and Achilles says, we can't afford the complication she would bring, sort of implying that neither of them should touch her. Yeah, you know, although... It's very splitting hairs, and that's that's why I was pissed at him, right? That said, later, Helen and Patrickus, well, Patrickus really is like, let's hook up kind of as revenge. For Achilles and you guys, for you guys hooking up, and it was fucking hot as shit. I don't know what to tell you. It was real hot. I have a lot of issues with how certain, it's okay. So one of the things I kind of want to talk about is the part where they say, if you want us to stop, just say stop. And she says, but saying stop is sexy. And I appreciate this explicit, like, commentary on safe words mm-hmm. and consent. But I also felt like that conversation happened long after the, like, rough play and BDSM sort of started happening. Yeah. Not BDSM in terms of tying up, but the the scene Meg is talking about, Achilles walks in on Patroclus and Helen hooking up. Mm -hmm. Like, they're both in the heat of the moment by the time they know they're, like, signing up for a voyeuristic threesome. And then Achilles starts, like, acting like a director, telling them what to do when they're following instructions. And I just feel like, I'm glad a conversation about consent happened, but it happened way too late. Happened a little late. Yeah, it happened after they, you know, 
after she was hooking up with one man and then it turned into actually hooking up with two because even if the guy's just watching you he's taking part in the sexual relationship and yes he's in a committed relationship with one of the two parties hooking up it was very don't use this book as a manual look there are issues we recognize it are they hot issues um yes extremely Extremely hot. I can say no more. I don't know. I mean, is there anything else you want to add? I think this is a really great continuation of the series. Yeah. And like I said, like, it's not what I would have wanted had I written the first book in the sense that it's not like a faithful adaptation of mythology, but with sex. Right. But it's really hot, and it makes me think about stuff. Yeah. You know what? They should quote us. They should quote you on the book jacket. It's really hot, and it makes you think about stuff. Like, that's what this book is about. That's the, That should be the blurb. Lane from <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you can find Plot Trists. That's at Plot Trists on Instagram, Goodreads, slash Plot Trists, and plottrists.wordpress.com.